Welcome to our latest episode in a new season of what we're calling Open Door Policy Minisodes. Each minisode will have a specific theme and we'll be revisiting some of the inspiring conversations we've had with guests from our previous seasons. Today, we're talking about unleashing the gospel by leading and serving our parish communities. In the Unleash the Gospel pastoral letter, Archbishop Vigneron shared a clear vision for our parishes as we undergo the missionary transformation of our diocese, that they are to be founded upon prayer and a culture of encounter with Jesus, which will lead to parishes that are ready to welcome, invite, connect, mentor, and send families and individuals into mission. Our priests and deacons play an essential role in bringing this vision to life, but so are members of the lay faithful serving our parishes. Here's how some Open Door Policy guests have responded to the call to share their gifts in service of their parish communities. This is Joshua Ross, who serves as a worship leader and music director at St. Anastasia in Troy. I would just like to encourage anyone who is listening that get involved in Mass, get involved Mm. at your church. And again, if you're afraid of singing in church, sing louder. <laughs> um, it's, yeah. it's okay. Like it, it is wonderful to hear people worshiping and, and to, again, singing is about surrendering. One way to think of your gifts is in the context of a song. What is the song you can give to the church right now? What is the way God has uniquely shaped your heart to serve his people? But this might beg the question, why would I step into parish life anyway? Curtis Simpson Jr. shares that he was drawn into his parish's ministry of visiting the needy out of love for people. He currently serves as the director of evangelical charity at Corpus Christi Parish. Curtis saw that the people in his community deserved his time and his service. What what really inspires me is is it are the people are are the, are the many families that you know think every single day that really they need Corpus Christi Parish to assist them with the DTE bill. And I chuckle in a very respectful way because I say, man, that's just what they think they're here for. You know what I mean? They don't know that they're about to have an encounter with Christ, man. They are about to get ready to explode and change the life, not only for themselves, but for their children and for Mm -hmm. their children's children. And if we can do that, if we can do that on a, I'm talking about a minuscule, small scale, then I think we've done great work. If just one household could say, hey, man, they didn't give me nothing, but what they did give me was 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 a prayer and a high five and my life changed because of that, man, I'll retire tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But I have a pastoral scripture that also gives me motivation. It's the first book of Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 58. Mm. Therefore, and I love this, man, my dear brothers and sisters, look at this, look at this family. Stand firm. Mm-hmm. Let nothing, and I wish they would have bolded that if bold was even a word <laughs> back in the day. Let nothing move you. Mm-hmm. Always give yourselves, here's a word here, Emily, listen mm-hmm. to this, fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And I, I can say is, you know, this is one of, this is probably the most powerful scripture that I read. And I kind of meditate on as mm-hmm. I'm, you know, kind of praying in the morning time when I, when I, before the kids get up and life gets crazy, I meditate on a few scriptures. This is one of the more powerful ones. Yes. Um, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. This is what we're here for, Father Patrick. Amen. Like, there's no mistake. There's no coincidence. That That's a nice, cute word that somebody in an English major made up. 
There's no coincidence. God has everything already pre-plotted and planned. And he knew when Curtis Simpson Jr. was going to be born. He knows when I'm going to leave. Same with you. Same with everybody who's listening. You know what I mean? There are no coincidences in this world. Mm -hmm. What we have to do is be able to let nothing move us. The death of a family member, maybe a friend who doesn't like you anymore. Maybe you're a young person in school and somebody hurts you. Let nothing move you. Let nothing disturb Mm -hmm. your uh, journey to glory. Nothing. Nothing can do that. And so as long as we're doing and we're committed to that work of the Lord, then nothing that we do is in vain, even when we think we're doing wrong. <laughs> and that's why I love God so much. I had to learn that, you know, he's such a beautiful God, man. There's mm-hmm. there's nothing that he doesn't want for us that's good, even when we're being stupid children. <laughs> yeah. So that's what inspires me, man. That's what motivates me is that there's work to be done. There's work mm-hmm. to be done. Yes, there is work to be done. In our parish communities, many volunteers help children encounter Jesus through religious education, families in need of practical support while grieving a loved one, and duties around the church that need attention and time. But God also calls some individuals into full-time parish ministry from another walk in life. Beth Allison, who serves as the engagement coordinator at St. Aloysius Parish in downtown Detroit, was on the road to interior design when God called her into youth ministry. Take a listen. I think that, you know, hearing you say you realized that you had a different purpose than that. Um, can you talk us through what that was? How did you realize your call to ministry and working for the church? And then what were some of the steps that you took to start getting involved? Sure, sure. So um, through youth ministry as a teen, um, we had opportunities to go on mission trips and um, World Youth Day. And so I um, just learned that I loved working with other people. I loved um, mission experience. I loved encountering Christ um, in those that I served. And so I was blessed to be able to go to Ecuador um, a numerous amount of times and then also to do some local mission as well. And so I always, that was sort of uh, one of my connecting kind of connecting paths that even when I was working in my interior design job, I volunteered with the youth ministry program and I helped to kind of lead some of those mission experiences. And so kind of from there, I was able to um, kind of discern even more that the Lord was calling me to work with young people. And so um, the youth minister at the time that I was being a volunteer for, she was kind of discerning her her next steps um, and invited me to pray about taking over um, her position when she left. And so I was like, oh, okay, like maybe, all right, sounds good, I'll pray. And I did and I had so much peace and so much joy in that decision that um, it was undeniable that this should be my next step. Wow. In addition to that peace and joy, after you had transitioned from your career in architecture into, into ministry, what was that like for you to, to go full bore? You had a peace and a joy. What, what was it like to, I'm going full after it? Right. It just kind of felt right. I don't really know how else to Mm -hmm. describe it. Um, It just felt like this is what I was being called to do next. Um, And also just the Lord showed me the love that I have for young people and had other people speak words over me that you really do work well with young people. And so um, it was just sort of like those affirmations that really led me to kind of 
with confidence take on this new role because I should have been filled with a lot of anxiety. I totally changed my careers. I took a pay cut. I did, you know, I did all of those things. I should have kind of experienced the anxiety that I was prior in my interior design job and I didn't. So I just knew that this is what I was supposed to do. Beth shares that it was undeniable that this work should be her next step. She allowed God to take her off her original path and set a new path before her life. She found that her gifts aligned with youth ministry. It was the song of her heart and a tune she could offer to God. Being taken from one path to service of the church isn't always the story of every person who serves their local parish. For Josh Ross, he knew from an early age that he wanted to serve the church through his gift of music. So then what did you do? Like, you know, we've talked before how that, you know, once you've like kind of received that mission from God, that calling that in the, in the Bible, people always, they go and make haste. They take that action. step. So once you're like, okay, God, I can feel your spirit, you know, working in me, I feel called to music. Like, did you then, you know, start to, to learn? Did you already know how to be a musician? Did you take that into high school? Did you study music in college? Um, how did you start living out that call once it was clear to you when you were just, you know, 12 or 13? So I, think that I first got interested in music when I was three years old. So my sister was taking piano lessons and my parents saw that I was interested. So they, they started getting me lessons. Now I, I stuck with it for like six months because I wasn't really necessarily able to stick with anything at that point. And the funny thing is I, I quit piano lessons probably like three or four times over the years. And it's funny because oh. now I, I have a music school where we teach music lessons. And, and, and mm -hmm. you know sometimes parents are concerned if like the kid loses interest. And it's like, I quit piano lessons like three or four times over the years. And this is what I do as, as a, as wow. a career. And I think that that's just, that's the journey of life is God mm. takes you in so many different directions. Um, and it was actually pretty funny when I was 10, when I wanted to quit piano lessons and I was 10, cause I, I started learning guitar when I was 10. Um, I was nine and I told my dad, I really want to be able to play guitar. And he's like, well, son, you know, I think it means to let your hands grow a little bit. And he was smart. He was smart because he knew that I wasn't ah. practicing much. He was like, let me see you practice mm -hmm. the piano for a year and then and then I'll get you a guitar. So I did actually ah. start practicing the guitar, uh, sorry, practicing the piano. And then he saw that I was actually serious about it. So he got me a this awesome red guitar. I, I still have the guitar. In fact, my sister made a painting of the wow. said red guitar. Um, wow. <laughs> but anyway, so then I, I got a guitar when I was um, 10 and I started, my dad got me guitar mm. lessons and it was so awesome. I fell in love with the instrument. And shortly after I lost interest in all interest in piano. And I was like, well, I don't really want to do piano anymore. So my mom made me call up my piano teacher and tell him that I was quitting. Oh, so, that no. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that my parents played a huge role in that whole process of me finding music, you know, cause they were very, my, my parents are not musicians at all, but they were very supportive of this whole musical journey. They are very much getting music lessons for me all throughout the, the years and they invested in all types of musical opportunities for me. I got to go to Blue Lake and and like we would go to like, I remember we went to Mr. B's and we were just like eating food and there was like some guitarist up there. My dad's like, hey, you should go ask him if you could play his guitar. And I was like, oh, dad. But then I ended up doing it. So I went up there and I said, hey, can I sing a song? <laughs> and so, we, oh, so, oh my gosh. Said, so here's me, some like 13 or 14 year old kid like at this bar and it's like, playing this guy's guitar and singing. And then another time we were at like a, a ski lodge sitting this time there was a band playing again. My dad's like, Hey, you should go ask him if you can go. So like this, this was like my whole life experience, which were like, my parents would like encourage me and nudge me a little bit. And there was all types of opportunities, even as a young kid that I had to 
get up on stage. And then at my at my Catholic school, Holy Name, um, they did something called a declamation contest, which was awesome, which is where you had to you mm. had to give a speech in front of your class. And they made it a whole competition with the whole school. Huh. Um, so every year I would I would kind of um, practice for hours and hours and hours and hours with my dad. So we, we would spend all this time going back and forth and refining. Um, and, and every year I would get to go in front of the whole school and recite, you know, said speech. And it, I got really, really comfortable on stage and speaking in front of people. So it was all these little things that my parents mm -hmm. did by investing in me, by, you know, getting music lessons, by nudging me that I got really, really comfortable on stage. And I felt at home there. I just felt natural. And then, you know, as it pertained to the church, like my mom had a pastor friend. And, and so I got to start playing at you know, his church when I was, again, 13, 14, 15 years old. So like wow. for years and years and years, I was playing at just various churches as a young teenager. Wow. And, and that gave me the opportunity, the confidence. I learned about different types of music. I started playing guitar at Holy Name. Wow. And I think it was just one step at a time that built upon it, it, itself. Josh's call to serve the church came through opportunities and promptings, open doors that he walked through. He kept following the lead of the Holy Spirit down a path that led him to serving in full-time music ministry. But what if you don't have music talent? Have no fear. For Beth Allison, her gifts to her parish have been expressed through leading engagement at her parish. She helps her parish with social media, volunteer coordination, even helping organize her parish's neighborhood outreach to people facing homelessness. I want to circle back to, to something you said about your mission trips. Um, and that there was an aspect of, of needing to bring it um, part ba or back to your hometown. And I know that that was probably through a very you know official step of your the action plan you mentioned through CRS. But um, I'm sure that even though that some of those things have been put on pause because of the pandemic, um, I'm sure there probably are things you're bringing back to your work now. And in particular, um, your role being in charge of engagement at St. Aloysius. So I would love to just dive into that a little bit because um, for our listeners who, who don't know, Engagement is one of the new areas identified um, under families of parishes as an official mission direct area. Um, but Beth Thrill actually uh, predates that. She was like our first engagement coordinator in the Archdiocese, even before the move to families wow. of parishes. Um, so Beth, maybe you can explain a little bit about what, what that role is, what it means to you, and um, how your experiences of seeing of engaging people in the faith from all over the world with youth in different, so many different settings, um, how that informs the, the mission work you do in in downtown Detroit at St. Aloysius now. I have recently, July 1st, uh, transitioned to this role at St. Aloysius in downtown Detroit. And I just love it and I'm so excited to be here. Um, so my role at St. Aloysius looks like a little bit of everything, um, but I'm in charge of our social media accounts, um, our website, and then volunteer coordination. And um, we have our neighborhood services outreach as well. Um, so we serve our brothers and sisters on Washington Boulevard and beyond. And so I kind of help our director um, to get volunteers um, and just connect people to the parish in many different ways. Um, our, if you've never been to St. Aloysius downtown, it is super beautiful. And so another what, way- What is it known as, Beth? What's your, what's your tagline? <laughs> so it's everybody's church in downtown Detroit. Uh -huh. um, and it is super, super beautiful. So it was built in 1930. Mm. And um, so the Holy Spirit has used this role, I feel like has kind of been a culmination of sort of 
the roles that I have been led to um, in the past. And so sort of the interior design, working with young people, and then just, just experiencing parish life as well, as well has kind of led to this beautiful position that I love so much. Um, but so our church is super beautiful. So I give church tours as well. And yeah. so I- My mom and I got one over the weekend. She yes, was visiting, I was just, so we got I gave, a tour. <laughs> I gave Emily and her family a tour this weekend. And so it's just so beautiful because I love art and architecture and I yeah. love um I love working with people and I love all of it and so um it's just been really great um but again being that face also for the parish so being very friendly and engaging and warm and welcoming um I'm the first contact for our marriage prep couples um and just you know being that sort of constant face um for everyone mm -hmm. and because St. Aloysius is a little bit different it's not as a typical parish in the suburbs um, because we are right in the city. Our mm -hmm. parish base looks a little bit different and sort of our ministry is a little bit different. And so um, how can we bring other people from across the diocese um, to experience the church in Detroit and to experience the beauty of the church in Detroit and um, just you know, the neighborhood services outreach as well to our brothers and sisters on Washington Boulevard and those experiencing homelessness. So it's just a beautiful way um, to be able to connect a variety of different people to um, the church in Detroit. There are many ways to serve your parish community, and God has a plan for you and will lead you. One way he leads us is through joy. Our guest Elizabeth Spencer's story reminds us that serving our parishes doesn't only bless those we serve— he blesses us through our service. St. John Paul II once wrote that we cannot fully find ourselves except through a sincere gift of self. Elizabeth, who serves as the parish catechetical leader at St. Anastasia in Troy, experienced this reality firsthand. When did you get the call? You in college, you're already doing an internship in the parish. When did you get a sense that, that I want to just serve him? Get it, get it. I know you got a master's, I think. We had some classes together. You, When did you get that call? Like, I'm just going to go after this in the church. Um, and so, yeah, I was telling Emily earlier, I actually, I went into college thinking, um, like, you know, knowing what I was going to do with my life. I was going to be a high school math teacher. Uh, and I think I just always have liked personal connection. Um, and in college, like most of the stuff that I got involved in was different types of ministry um, and leadership roles in that. And one summer I spent working um, for young people who care at some mission in Frenchville, Pennsylvania. And I, they have like high school over the summer, like groups of high schoolers come in for a week at a time and it's like a mission trip. And I was a leader on that. And that's when I really realized that God was calling me to serve him in his church. So I was getting a degree at that time. My degree was in communication and I loved it. Mm -hmm. And I thought maybe I would do like HR or something. Um, but it just nothing. I did a couple internships in the business world and it just like, there was no mm -hmm. joy in it. There was mm -hmm. no excitement. Um, I just kept, kept feeling called to that. Um, and I liked learning. So getting my master's was fun at the seminary. And so I pursued that and my husband actually grew up at St. Anastasia, so we were dating at the time, but his mom was like, oh, there's a youth ministry position open, and it, it just kind of like, God just made it all fall into place, and and here I am 10 years later. Praise <laughs> the Lord. 
And what, what is your role like at St. Anastasia now? What, how are you kind of taking, you know, the way you were being called the gifts you have, you know, you mentioned like, yeah, that God's working and giving gifts to all of us in different ways. How do you, how is that playing out at St. Anastasia now? So I'm the parish catechetical leader. So I get to um, be involved in faith formation from, I help out a little bit with baptism prep um, all the way through RCIA. Um, so I kind of get to do the whole spectrum. I don't really do much with marriage prep. That's somebody else's job. But um, my main part of it is religious education. Um, but what we really focus on, and it's something that, I mean, now that I have a family of my own, but even before I had kids, we kind of were re trying to refocus from this like classroom style of religious education to a family style of catechesis. Mm. Um, and over, so I've been in this position for five years. So over the past five years, we've kind of um, a lot, of, we were blessed. We have a pretty large staff here. So I have like five staff members who work under me. Um and we just kind of like shifted the, the job titles and the responsibilities to make it more of like, how are we covering people as a family and like at every stage of faith development? So we have like a young families coordinator, we have our high school ministry coordinator, um, and then we have like an adult faith volunteer group that we work with a lot. So just kind of trying to cover all those bases. Um, and this actually over the pandemic, we switched how we do religious ed from like the weekly, you sit in your class style to a family style. Um, and that was kind of, it was nice. That was our, our excuse to launch. It was during um, the pandemic because then you had to be home anyway with your family, but we had been praying about it since I started. Like we had gone to visit other parishes to see how they did a family program. Um, just, and then just, we have such a large, we have like, over 500 kids in our program so it's very intimidating switch from like this is how we've done it for the past you know 30 years or whatever to well guess what now you're going to do this at home as a family and you're only going to come see us once a month so that's kind of our style so as a family they come in once a month the parents have a session and the kids go with their grade levels um and then the rest of the month they do at home as a family so it's a little intimidating to switch to that but the pandemic kind of gave us that nice springboard like you're already home and we want to show you parents that you're capable like you don't have to know everything about the faith you just have to start having a conversation about it with your faith with your kids so that's how we kind of do it now um and I think people are responding people seem to be responding well to it I mean there are people that are kind of like that is that's not my thing. I want my kids to go to religious ed every week. And, you know, they have had other programs, but for the most part, it seems to be working well. Um, I think we need more time to see the fruits of it and see how families grow. But um, yeah, I just, I really enjoy kind of giving people opportunities or excuses. I like to call it to pray together and to uh -huh. talk about Jesus. Like sometimes I think that's all a parent needs is like, well, you have to talk to your kid about Jesus right now. And here's the questions to use and the words to say. And it just kind of opens a door to hopefully, you know, a, a lifetime of exploring and sharing in your faith together. Your time matters. Your gifts matter. The church needs you. And you need the church. Like our guests, you can serve the church in either a full-time capacity or as a volunteer. We invite you to follow their example and look at your own life and ask the question, 
What do I have to offer? How is God calling me to use my gifts? Take some time this week to consider how you can serve your parish community. Maybe you've sat in the pews and thought, why doesn't someone do something about this or that? Maybe you are called to be that person. If you see a need in your parish, consider stepping into that space. Or ask your pastor, where would my time best be used? Which ministry is in need of help? Where could my particular gifts be given at our parish? You might be surprised at how you will be blessed with joy at giving of yourself, but also how much impact one person can make in a parish community. As Archbishop Vigneron wrote in his pastoral note on families of parishes, lay co-workers and volunteers bring essential gifts for our parish work. Together, we can support our spiritual homes and our church family and bring about missionary transformation of our parishes in Southeast Michigan. Thanks for listening to Open Door Policy. You can find more episodes at unleashthegospel.org slash podcast.